Hello with CP Podcast listeners. This is your host, Julia, and it is Wednesday, May 25th, 9.34 a.m. The weather in Seattle today is gray and overcast and gloomy, but our hearts and our spirits remain strong and bright. So today I have a very wonderful guest with me, Dr. Scott. And we're going to chat about the CP Institute. I know there may be a lot of questions about what is the CP Institute? How did it come about? Why is it important? And we're going to address all of those wonderful questions today. So, Dr. Scott, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, Julia. Thank you so much for having me today to talk about this. Uh, I am Dr. Terry Ann Scott. I am currently an associate professor of African-American history and chair of the history department at Hood College, but that role is coming to an end as I step into my new role as director of the Institute for Common Power. And that's that's amazing, amazing. So, Dr. Scott, we are so happy to have you part of the CP community and staff. What brought you to CP in the first place? So, well, I have known uh, Dr. David Domke for a number of years. I used to teach at the University of Washington, and so we shared students. I was in the Department of American Ethnic Studies. A number of my students had gone on the pilgrimages with him, and that is how he and I first met. But within a month after we met, or when I first met him, I said, well, uh, nice to meet you. I'd love to be a part of the work you're doing, but I'm moving to Maryland. So I ended up moving to Maryland to take the position at Hood College. We stayed in touch. And so I got involved first in um, going on those learning tours through the South. And then uh, AJ and I, AJ Musewe, started to do a series last year. And we started to do AJ and Dr. Scott present. And those were really fantastic dives into history and making connections to the present. And then I became a fellow for the Institute for Common Power through that. And the Institute kind of evolved uh, out of that following following that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about how, what exactly to start with is this Institute for Common Power? So the Institute for Common Power is going to be essentially the educational branch of Common Power. Now, there's already educational programming offered at Common Power through David's lectures, through AJ's series. Those will now be housed in the Institute and we'll do even more expansive programming. One of the things that people have found when um, Charles, our executive director and others, have done some statistical analyses of our volunteers is that they were two times or even more more likely to stay in the work of common power and to stay in that work of pushing for a more inclusive democracy, door knocking, texting, phone banking, if they had gone through some type of educational programming. And so that's the information that we took and said, let's do this on a grander level. And so the Institute is going to provide myriad in educational programming to sustain people in the work, to help them understand our current environment through an exploration of history and other disciplines and to allow them to make a connection between the two and then to push them. And this is our motto from education to action. So the Institute for Common Power, there's there's a couple of things that I, I'm curious about why are so important to the Institute. So you Let's start with like that last quote. You say education into action. Why yes. why education into action? Why is that important? Why why not just education? Because 
the education is eminently important. It's why I have been a professor. But even as a professor over the last more than 20 years, I want that education to turn into some type of action. We have the information now, is what I've always told my students. What are you going to do about it? When people learn about voter suppression, when people learn about structural inequality, when they learn about structural racism, people become often enraged. But they also sometimes feel powerless. And we want to be able to take that feeling of being powerless and say, you are not powerless. We can empower you to make a difference. We all want to create a better world. My handle for Twitter is Dr. Scott is trying to change the world. That is an absolute truth. And that is something I think that guides all of us, both the staff at CP and the Institute, as well as our volunteers. And so we want to make people informed about what they're doing. We want to emphasize the gravity of the work that we're doing and the necessity of it. That's why education to action. Yeah. I love that. I, I definitely like as a student learning, learning about kind of all of these horrible parts of history and tragedies that are happening across our nation almost on a daily basis. Um, yeah. I definitely do feel powerless at times. So I love that motto, education into action and not only making sure that everyone's informed, but making sure that people do something with the knowledge that they have now. That's exactly right. Do something with the knowledge they have. We give them the avenue of what to do, and we let them know that you're not alone in what you're going to do. We will work as a community to make that happen. We will support you in what you want to do to make a difference in this world. So how did the ideas for the Institute for Common Power, or yeah, the Institute for Common Power come about? What was that process of starting off as an idea and then developing it and then making it into a launch in the the following weekend so i think the the first planting of the seed um and if i remember the origin story properly is when aj Masewe and and david and they had talked about this um you know wouldn't it be great to have an institute and then it was something that was thought of as many years in the future and when they had mentioned it to me they came on a trip to hood college to recruit students into both Action Academy and to the work of Common Power and mentioned it to me. And I said, I want to do that. I would love to do that. Let's make it happen. Because as an educator, like I said, I've always worked outside of the classroom. I've always done programming in the community. I've always pushed people to make a difference. And so here then is an opportunity, as I saw it, and as we all saw it, here's an opportunity to create programming on a large national scale that helps people get ushered into this action. And so that's when I made the decision to resign from my position as a tenured professor, which many people think is is absolutely crazy because if anyone out there knows anything about tenure, it is extraordinarily difficult to attain. I believe it's one in five PhDs ever receive a tenure track position in their lifetime. That is only 20%. My colleague calls it the tenure track lottery. I won that lottery and gave it up, gave up the ticket. But I have never looked back. There's been not one, not a single, and I I mean this in all honesty, not a single moment of regret because this work is so important. And because I'm not walking away from being an educator. I like to say I'm transforming what it means to educate. So we'll still be doing the lectures, still be working with incredible young leaders and helping to shape them, but doing even more. The people at Common Power, and this is one of the things I love, they move to action quickly. 
all of you. And that's something that I wanted to be aligned with. An idea turns into a program, turns into action quickly. It doesn't mean that it's done without thought. Doesn't mean it's because it is done with thought. It's it's strategic. It is carefully planned. But people understand the necessity and they make it happen. So that's that's incredible. You you gave up such such amazing position, a tenured position, to pursue this work, and I think that just shows just how passionate, how dedicated you are to this work. So thank you for that, Dr. Scott. I, I thank you. I imagine that was not an easy decision to make, but clearly the institute is worth it. So. Yes, yeah, indeed. One hundred percent. Thanks, Julia. Yeah. So uh, as I understand it, there's been a lot of news and buzz about the Institute launch weekend. Yes. Could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, we have uh, four events, but really five for the Institute launch weekend. So they'll begin on June 2nd. And the first one will be our community meeting and we'll focus a lot on the Institute. And then we have an event on Friday, June 3rd. And then Saturday, we have three events on Saturday, June 4th. All of these people can find on the event calendar and we have something for everyone. So we have two free events, for instance, and two events that are fundraisers. And so our first event on June 3rd, we actually only have as of today, 20 tickets left. So if anyone is interested, make sure you get those. That is for our Athletes and Activism event, which will be at the WOW Gallery in downtown Seattle. That is a gallery that is owned by a black woman. And it is a gallery that highlights the artistic achievements of women, particularly black women. It also emphasizes healing, camaraderie and coming together. And so it was a perfect space for us to have that first event. We will have a number of very well-known um, athletes and people who are in the athletic community, including Marcus Trufant, the former UW coach, uh, Lorenzo Romar, John Ross, who went to UW and then was drafted to the Bengals, uh, Karen McKinley, who is the new VP for diversity and inclusion at the Seahawks. And we're bringing them together so that they can talk about how they use their platforms to inspire people and make change in the community. These are all people who are very involved in community service and community uplift and change. And so we're trying to run because one of the things I, I focus on are sports and race. So I know all too well that historically and even today, there's a concept that athletes need to, in the words of the Fox News anchor, shut up and dribble. And we are moving outside of that and saying, absolutely not. Look how these individuals have used their platforms to change the world. And we want to use that as a way to motivate and inspire others to do the same. So that's a ticketed event on Friday. On Saturday, we have three events that will involve literal American heroes. Dr. Bob Selner, Ms. Joanne Bland, and Mr. Charles Molden. All of them are civil rights soldiers who have put their lives and livelihood on the line to make a difference and create these new moral paradigms, these new standards that we have. I cannot vote without them as an African-American woman. And so in the morning, we have a free event that is for families. It is at nine o'clock a.m. All the events on Saturday are at Langston Hughes Center. And Julia, everyone needs to know, <laughs> has been instrumental, instrumental in planning these events on Saturday. So thank you, Julia, for that. It was a lot of work and she has made them all come together. So we have that free breakfast. We're encouraging people to bring your children, grandchildren, ment mentees, 
godchildren to that event to learn from those American heroes. And then at noon, we have a free lunch. And so lunch and breakfast will be served at these. And it will be an opportunity again for you to learn from these incredible civil rights heroes. And in the evening, we have a ticketed event that is a fundraiser, once again, with Dr. Bob Zellner, Ms. Joanne Bland, and Mr. Charles Molden. You do not want to miss this. These are three truly incredible people. You will be inspired, you will learn from them, and you will be able to literally walk into history with their stories and experiences. So please go to the events calendar and sign up for one or all of these events. I am so excited personally for that Institute launch weekend. <laughs> but Dr. Scott, could you, so you mentioned these American heroes, and I'm sure if people come to the events, they'll learn their stories more. But could you briefly describe the importance of each of these people in the civil rights movement to our listeners? Absolutely. And one of the great things is our new um, intern for the Institute for Common Power, Jordan Schulte, who just graduated um, from the University of Arizona, has been working on these cards for them. So that will it's like a trading card, the picture of the American here on the front and a bio on the back. So you'll be able to take those away with you on the Saturday event. So Bob Zellner was the first white field secretary for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which was one of the key civil rights organizations of the time. He grew up with his grandfather and his father in the Ku Klux Klan, and he made a different choice. And he was inspired because he went to school in Montgomery by the work of Miss Rosa Parks. He met her. He talks about how she pushed him to action. And he was inspired by the work of Dr. King. He was asked to leave his university simply for attending a church service at the church of Reverend Ralph Abernathy because that was considered quote unquote communist activity. So he chose a route that put him into not just a moment in the civil rights movement, a life of service to push for voting rights, to push for equality. He has been arrested more times than I, I, I think 17, possibly mm -hmm. more times. He has been beaten, he's been tortured and he never stopped. He never stopped pushing for equality even today this past weekend, he is 83 years old and was knocking on doors in Harris County, Texas, in that heat to get people to vote. I have goosebumps thinking about it because it's so unbelievable that he is still doing this work. So that's Mr. Bob Selman. Ms. Joanne Bland was one of the youngest people ever arrested in the movement. She walked across the bridge in Bloody Sunday at 11 years old. She witnessed what, what happened. She had the courage and as a, as a young child, to walk across that bridge and remained involved in the in the uh, movement since that time. She now has been instrumental in pushing for a new park in Selma that will recognize the work of those civil rights heroes. And she gives tours, I don't know how many times a day and shares her story with people to inspire both people who are older and particularly young people. And Mr. Charles Molden was 17 years old and close to the front of the line, fifth in line when he crossed that bridge on March 7th, 1965 in Bloody Sunday. And he's going to come and his, share his story with us as well. Oh, that's an amazing lineup. And I, I love that. So exciting. Everyone should go and rush and get those tickets and attend these spots. Also, there's free food. And there's free food. And Julie was set up the food and she she spent a lot of thinking about what to get and where to have this. And so again, Julie, I'm gonna give you my own round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so Dr. Scott, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So I know a big pivotal part of the Institute is a concept called movement learning. 
And that ties into why these American heroes are present at the Institute launch weekend and why it's important for us to hear their stories. Could you yes. explain this concept? I not only can I explain it, I'm going to just straight read it to you. It is on our website, but it is so important that I that I want to read it to you. So when we have thought about this institute, um, when we have planned with Larcy Douglas and Charles and uh, AJ and David, we want to make sure that people are fully engaged in this work and understand that the act of learning is is very much and, and engaging in this is very much a verb. And so we have this movement learning and it says we engage in movement learning in which we are inspired by, learn from and build upon the struggles for racial and voting justice in America. We delve deeply into the strategies implemented by movements for emancipation, citizenship, suffrage, and civil rights to inform how we take action to foster a just and inclusive democracy today. We learn from historical events and from the firsthand experiences with the people and institutions that did and are doing transformative work. We are moved, we are part of a movement, and we must move. This is movement learning. This is a type of learning that acknowledges the past, not just acknowledges the past, but we use the past, which is why we bring these civil rights heroes to the forefront, which is why we bring athletes who are engaged in their communities to the forefront. We want to learn from others who are doing the work. We want to highlight them. We want to herald them and the work that they are doing. And we go. So we do interactive lectures, we do workshops, we do learning tours and put our feet to the ground and say, let's go to those spots. Let's figure out how we can learn this information and use it to make a difference. That's movement learning. Ah, oh, I love that. And movement learning is a term and concept coined by you, right? No, actually, oh. I, I'm not gonna take credit for that. <laughs> Definitely Dr. David Domke. Uh, came up with movement learning. Um, he probably is going to, to, you know, he's very <laughs> humble. So he's going to say, oh, don't, don't do that. But no, he came up with the, the concept. We talked about what it is that we want in the Institute, but he defined that. So yeah. I, I give credit where credit is due. I love that. I love that. So could you tell our viewers, like, well, our listeners, not our viewers, um, why the Institute is coming now at this point in history why is it important i think we have people who are paying attention more there are a lot of truths that have come out in the past two years that many of us are far too familiar with when when we all sat and watched george floyd be lynched in broad daylight that was less of a shock for some of us than for others but for others it, i think those moments ahmaud arbery's death brianna taylor Elijah McClain, those things shook the pandemic having a disproportionate impact on people of color. Those things shook a lot of people into a moment where they said, you know, damn, this is a lot that's going on in this country and I need to do something about it. And even for, for those who are more aware of those truths, people have been looking for something. Many people have been put into action and I think it's beautiful. It's across racial boundaries, ethnic, religious boundaries, generational boundaries that people have come together around the world to change the world. This is the time for this to come about. We are in a third emancipation, a third reconstruction, and it is time for us to move on that energy and to sustain it and make sure that it helps us go into a brighter future. I 
I totally agree that the timing for the Institute is perfect, especially with attacks on critical race theory going on in our schools, increasing yes. times of division. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, right. So in the bigger national picture of the United States and education, where do you see the Institute fitting in on a national scale? We definitely want to have, and I think we'll have a national imprint right away. So the changes that we want to make are on a national level. We just had a team go to Arizona a few weeks ago. A team came back from Texas yesterday and today. We had a team in Georgia. We are an international or a national organization that works to affect change. The Institute is, is and will be no different. And one of the ways that we can accomplish that is through this movement learning, by going into these different spaces to make a difference and through having a lot of virtual programming. That's really changed everyone's lives. And so we can bring information, bring action to people across the country. You do not have to be in Seattle to be able to be impacted by or work for, work through the Institute or through the work of Common Power. That is so exciting. I'm so excited to see how the Institute blossoms in the United States and how it will affect amazing, amazing positive change for our country because we we especially now we need it we really need it yes agreed yeah so dr scott um before i end the podcast could you just give us a brief refresher of the institute launch weekend events and invite our viewers oh please all of you every single one of the events or one or more like i said there's something for everybody so please go to the events calendar we have our community meeting on thursday june 2nd june 3rd that evening is the wall gallery uh athletes and activism the ticketed event the next morning all of our events are at the langston hughes center at 9 a.m it starts with the hangout for families and free breakfast 12 o'clock free lunch with our american heroes and the, I believe it's five o'clock, Julia, in the evening on, on Saturday to yes. have dinner and a fundraiser with our American heroes. Perfect. So please go now and sign up tickets, uh, sign up for tickets. There are not many left for the fr Friday event. And we would love to see all of you and be inspired by all of you and learn with you. So please come and join us. Perfect. Oh, a few questions, actually. Yeah. How's the parking in the area? Oh, so if you go to the Wild Gallery, that's a great question. I forgot it's still downtown Seattle. If you go to the Wild Gallery, I believe they have they have parking instructions. When you sign up for your ticket, that will um, there's a commentary, there's information about that, and I believe it has a dedicated parking garage. Okay. Um, I always say show up a bit early just in case. So the and that starts at 7 p.m. on that Friday. In terms of Langston Hughes, I think they have their own parking garage parking lot. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. All right. Awesome. So that all works out well. Yay. And it can always, if you can, um, Uber, which I know is not always as easy for everybody. But Amazing. And then if we have any questions, if viewers have any questions about ticketing, about the events, um, who should they contact? Please feel free to contact me at Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at CommonPower.org. Terry, with a Y, at CommonPower.org. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott. Appreciate you. Julia, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. And for all of your hard work, I look forward to continue to working with you to change the world.